Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out again on another beautiful day here in, in the neighborhood. In the neighborhood. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day. We should have cardigan sweaters sitting here that we could put on. Yeah. I know, Mr. Rogers. For those of you that don't know that, forget it. Or for those young people that watch Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, it used to be Mr. Rogers. Oh, really? Yeah, they made a cartoon. It's on uh, PBS. It's called Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. Wow. And it's, and it's based on what uh, – it's, it's an animated thing, but it's based on the whole premise of what Mr. Rogers used to do. Oh, he was hilarious. So He was harmless to everybody and just, you know, why people watched him? Don't know. Yeah. I mean, go watch one old episode sometime. It's just interesting. He's, he's harmless. Yeah. And, um, it, but the kids really liked him. And it, it, maybe because it was just like an old grandpa talking to him. You know, came in, did the same thing all the time. I don't know. Maybe. It's interesting how we think. Yeah. Interesting. So what, one of the things I think is interesting, and we were kind of talking about this, and I think it's a great thing to talk about, is, is how our mind works, Dave. Yeah. You know, and this is something that, that you've looked into a little bit. And um, I think it, I think it'd be a great thing to talk on the show. Don't you ever wonder why you get these bizarre thoughts, and you know sometimes you want to do you really want to do wrong? Yeah. And and yet you're not a evil person. I wouldn't classify you as that, but you still want to do wrong. I know. And, sometimes you just want to slap me, and yeah, I, tell I know. You not to. I don't know. I don't know why that is. You're, <laughs> you're so slappable, or something. You know, I it's no like idea. you just want to do one of those. I know. And you that, looked. Yeah, that doesn't count. It's way up by your belly. <laughs> So that doesn't work. He's giving me the okay signal here. He thinks he thinks he can catch me on that. I don't know what what's the name of that game. I have no idea. We'll call it the okay. The game. okay game. The okay game. Okay. I'm not sure what it is. Here here's what I do understand though. Nobody can get really better at anything, and we need to get better at life without knowing honestly where you're at right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I learned that in sports, football, in college. You know, you, you, they'd study film and say, "Here's where you're at. Here's what you need to learn." But before you could learn, you have to know where you're at. And the Bible tells us that our thinking yeah. apart from God is really not good. So let me, let me read a verse to you. Genesis 6, 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Hmm. And, and, and right before the flood, God looked at people and people without God, without God, their thoughts are evil continually. Right, because there is a standard. That's what that's what God's word says. Mm-hmm. Now, Isaiah fifty five eight. For my thoughts are not your th- thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. The, the idea that okay, Dave, you've got these thoughts. You know, Dave and Jason, your thoughts are here. God's thoughts are way beyond that. Mm-hmm. So I need to be able to to start with the idea that apart from God, I have evil thoughts, and when I do think, God's dumbest thought is smarter than my smartest. I mean, that's right. where that's where I need to at least begin my process. Matthew fifteen eighteen. But when, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. This defiles a person. For out of the heart, in other words, the the, the central part of my life mm-hmm. comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, etc. So it's like you know, verse three um, in Galatians six says, "For if anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself." Mm-hmm. So so here I am. I'm a person that. Without God, I think evil. God's yeah. ways are far beyond mine. And when I do wrong things, it's coming out of a, a godless lifestyle that I've already developed in my life somehow. Mm-hmm. And if I don't see that I'm the problem, I lie to myself. Um, 
In 2 Corinthians 10, it says, for, we walk in, for though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of warfare are not flesh, but divine but uh, divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey God. Mm. The way that we actually um, do what's right in life is by taking our thoughts captive and understanding this one is not of God, this one is right. And, and what we do then is use the ones that are right and discard the ones that aren't and, and get in the habit of doing that. Right, right. So it's actually working at getting our mind where it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, let, me, let me describe some, some terms. I like psychology. And whenever I say that as a Christian teacher, counselor, people get nervous a little bit because they think I would go outside the Bible for help. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you can observe certain things in life and it's beneficial for you to, to observe them. Mm-hmm. regardless of where you got them from, right, if they're right. true. Uh, I don't think psychology or psychologists apart from God can give you a real answer. Right. But I do think they can describe a problem. So that's what I want you to hear. Okay. There's one called, uh, it, these are things that we all have in common, and I think we need to uh, just put them on the deck before we talk about the solution. Gotcha. Uh, the first thing is focalism. Focalism. Yeah. Uh, focalism is this, and I'll ask you kind of first-person stuff. Um. Have you ever had something happen in your life where everything else around you is, stays a blur and you just focus on that one event? Yes. Okay. It, do you think that was a healthy time in your life? Uh, no, because you, you lose sight of the bigger picture. That's right. Now, yeah. now this can happen to anybody and does happen. It's a human characteristic. Right. So if, um, let's say that there's somebody sick in my house, mm-hmm. okay, I might focus on that sick person. Right. Now, Temporarily, that could be a good thing mm-hmm. because they need the focus to get better. Right. You know I mean, I, that could be a good thing. However, if now all of a sudden, after a long period of time, that's all I'm consumed with, my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Now the rest of life is passing by, and I actually need somebody from the outside to come in and talk to me a little bit right? and say, you know what? We need to pay your bills, and we need to shovel your walk if it's winter. You know what I mean? You know, that kind of stuff. So, so we all have the tendency to focus on something and that focal point take us away from the rest of life. Mm-hmm. It, could I suggest that Satan is very good at getting us to do that? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I mean, the littlest things. You could focus on um, somebody um, overcharging you at a store, mm-hmm. you know, and for the rest of the day, your day's ruined. You're, you're not a good father. You're not a good friend. You're not a, why? Because this person overcharged you by quarter. Right. And you found it, and you're going to make life miserable for that person. I mean, and you could focus on that now. Mm-hmm. That's not healthy, but that happens. Another thing that they do is it's called actor-observer difference. Um, this is where we tend to see other people's behaviors as evil, mm. but we do the same thing, but we have good reason. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. You know, I mean, so it's you like— justify it for yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let's say you and I both bought a, a, a new car. Okay. And we bought the same car. The same one. Same one. You know, a, a real high-end luxury car. And I looked out my window and said, hey, you know, Jason bought the same car. He is, he is really about shallow things. You know, and here I bought the same <laughs> one, you know. And, it, and, and, and my wife might say, well, you bought the same one. Yeah, but I got a good reason. I mean, you, you, we've got 18 kids or whatever, you know, I mean, whatever it is. Right. I, whatever my reason is, I have a reason for me doing it. Right. You don't. But I don't. So you're evil. Hmm. And and that's you know that's how we think. We, yeah. we always kind of justify ourselves in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another one that they've identified called a durability bias, and and that's a, we predict how long we'll feel about some event. We tend to overestimate the duration of the emotional impact. 
So let's say, um, you know, and I went through this where my dad died and my dad and I were close. So I might say, you know what? I will never be able to function normally again. Mm -hmm. That's not true. That's a lie. I will be able to function right. normally again. Right. But I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this because in the middle of it, first of all, I have the focalism. Uh, you know, I'm looking at it um, differently. I have that, uh, you know, uh, I also have the actor-observer thing. I'm thinking, I w had such a great relationship with my dad. It justifies me, you know, being totally distraught. And now I'm thinking I'll never be okay. Another thing is availability heuristic, if I said that right. Um, this one I have a lot because I, I forget things. It, this is where you, you as a human will make decisions based on what you remember. Right. But you don't remember everything. Mm-hmm. So that's all you got to remember. <laughs> I mean, is that you don't remember everything. Right. It, so, you know, I could make a really good decision based on my memory. Mm -hmm. And you come along and go, no, you forgot this one little factor. It's like, what factor is that? I remember I helped a lady once um, change the oil in her car. Yeah. And, and I, um, I didn't take off on the oil filter. There's a little rubber gasket. And I didn't take... I, I mean, I took the oil filter off, and I thought it was attached. I threw it out, put the new one on, but now there were two rubber gaskets on it. <laughs> All right? Yep. And, and, and I told her, yeah, you know, I checked the filter, did everything, everything's good. Based on what I remembered. Right. You did it. Everything was right. She sure. blew her engine. I mean, between those two gaskets. Oh, no. You know, it, was, it was Berta, my dad's old secretary, and, oh, and I was man. helping her by changing her oil. A lot of help this boy is. She was going down the highway in Park Ridge over by in Chicago area, and her red light went on, her engine seized. Oil went between the two and just destroyed it. Oh, man. Now, you know, the truth is, I can't remember if something came up in between putting that filter, taking it off, and putting a new one on. And, yeah. You know what I mean? It's not, she was very kind to me because she realized you did not do this on purpose. You didn't do this on purpose. You actually mm. thought you did it right. Right. So, so that's something that I am capable of and you're capable of, and, and that's just that. This one sounds like the other one in the last little bias I'm talking about. It's called impact bias. It, it basically is we think about some emotional event and we tend to overestimate how strong we'll feel about it. So we think, um, you know, I, uh, for example, when I was playing college football, I was voted All-State one year at my position. And really I thought, man, if you ever voted All-State and that kind of thing, you're, you're top dog. I mean, you'd feel like, you know, yeah, uh, like a, a, a kosher beef hot dog. I mean, really good. <laughs> and so I got the award, and I remember going back to my room, and my roommate, um, Ron, was there, and I showed him, hey, look what I got all state. He goes, that's nice. You want to you wanna go over and get a, a milkshake? I'm thirsty. A milkshake? Yeah, I'm thirsty. <laughs> a milkshake. And I thought, okay. And I threw. I remember I threw the award on the bed. We went, and we never talked about it again. That's it was funny. like, here I thought I was really going to be somebody, man. Right. You know, I mean, all state at college level football. This is going to change the whole future of my life. Not. It did not. Still drinking. It did shows. not. So we yeah. have the capability of of changing um, something that's and thinking about something that isn't going to happen. Yeah. Now, let's say, uh, Jason, that that you never saw an elephant before in your life. Okay. So I took you and I blindfolded you and I took you to the zoo okay. and I got permission, of course, from the zookeeper. And we walked in the elephant cage and I smashed your face against the elephant. And that would hurt. Then I pulled the blind off. Yes. While your face was against the elephant, I said, this is an elephant. How would you describe that to me, I think? Uh, dark, gray, leathery. Yeah, probably smelly. Smelly. 
So if I backed you off a half a centimeter, yeah, would much change? Maybe a couple wrinkles. But if I put you back behind the fence and we could look at him, I'd be like, "Wow, he's got a snout and or whatever." Yeah, yeah, trunk. We call him trunks. Yeah, Yeah, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they're synonyms. (laughs) Synonyms. That's right. Um, And then if somehow I could get you off the world and give you some vision where you could see the elephant in the context of the whole world in the context of the universe now in other words each time i got you a distance right you would have a different appreciation of that right when you were too close you did not have an appreciation of it at all right yeah because it didn't look like anything what i want to talk about in the second half of the program is how do you get to where you back off and you can see things and have an appreciation for them instead of everything being so dark smelly and and, and, and in a way, gruesome to you in life. Right. There are some people listening to us that their lives right now, the best they could describe them is as dark, mm-hmm. smelly, no hope. Right. They're thinking the, um, the events of their life are going to control them. They can't. I mean, they're going right. to. And they have some of these biases going for them that are just normal for people, mm-hmm. but nobody's telling them the answer of how to get out of it. Yeah. In fact, they're patting them on the head going, this is normal. Don't worry about it. Well, just because you're somebody who's focusing on a single event, it's controlling your life, you think that's normal, and it is, it's not okay. Right. It doesn't mean there's something. Yeah. Being about. normal is one thing. Mm-hmm. Being okay or being right is another. Right. And, and so I think we have to deal with being normal and being right and how, we, how can we get our minds to where they belong. Right. Absolutely. And, uh, and if that sounds like you, you know, stick around to the show. We're going to talk about what that looks like. Um, and if you need to talk to somebody even right now, I would encourage you to go head on over to relate365.com. There's a link at the bottom of the page and there's so click on that link and there's somebody always that you can talk to. If there's things in your life where it's just stinky, dark, dark and dirty and you need to just talk, please do that. But we're going to take a short break and be right back here on Younger and Older. Hey, welcome back to Younger and Older with uh, Jason and Dave. And we've been having a great discussion here about um, just our life and how, you know, sometimes we're so in the midst of things. Um, and Dave used some, you know, kind of psychological terms to, 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 to kind of describe those things. But really in the midst of things where things, you know, either are just dark, dingy, you know, doesn't make any sense. And he, at the end of the tail end of the, the first half of our show, we used the illustration of the elephant and how if we were to stick our face right up outside that elephant, you know, you really wouldn't be able to describe it, to be yeah. honest. And it's not until you step back that all of a sudden you can admire and it comes into perspective. And I think that um, is what we need to do with our lives at times. And that's what we want to talk about in the second half of the show is, is how do we do that? What yeah. does it look like to be able to to trust God and to step back so that we can see the bigger picture in the difficult moments, in the moments that don't make sense, in the moments that are kind of dark, dingy, and, and, and gross. Yeah. You know, I unfortunately have to go to another story because- Oh, I like stories. I, That's okay. I, um, I'm a story thinker. Uh, years ago, um, I had two little girls, and uh, they're older now, obviously, and and they I were here at camp, and we were able to- I was able to get away during the middle of the day sometimes and, and take them water skiing. And we had this old boat that was given to us. And if you ever had an old boat, you realize it costs you way too much money and way too much time to keep it up. But we had an old boat. And and so I would sneak away. I'd tell them to meet me down there at one or something. I'd go down there and I'd get in the boat and I'd turn the key and it would go, it wouldn't start. <laughs> we have a shop here at camp. So I'd say, oh, just second girls. Now you can imagine they're in their life jackets and they're standing there waiting to go. And I go, just second. And so I go in and I grab the battery out of there, run over to our shop. I put, uh, they had this super duper battery charger thing. So I put it on there, put it on 
you know, as high as it goes. And I'm sitting there waving my hands like, hurry up, hurry up, you know, yep, put yep. power in there. Bring it back, start the boat, you know, go out and take them skiing. Next day, hey, meet me at one, two, go there, thing happens again. Same thing. Yeah, so I thought, oh, I probably need a new battery. So I go back to the shop, hook it up again. And the mechanic comes by this time, and he looks at me, and he turns it down to a real low amperage. Hmm. And I said, what are you doing? I'm trying to get that thing charged. He goes, I'll tell you what's going to happen. If you leave it up there and you charge it like you are, you're going to get one start out of it, and you'll be here every day. Which is what you're doing. Which is what I was doing. So I kind of nodded like, yeah, <laughs> like, uh, yeah what are you talking about? <laughs> Go on. Yeah. And, uh, and he said, well, if you turn it down to a low amp and you charge it like for several hours, you'll mm-hmm. probably start the boat all summer on it because that's how batteries work. Huh. I said, oh. So I, and I remember I, my dad had died and he left me a one amp and it, it said one amp professional battery charger. Huh. And I thought, this is a weenie. I mean, what in the world <laughs> would you do with a one amp charger? Yeah. I mean, I could probably put each one of those on my tongue and plug it in and it wouldn't bother me. And some could, mechanics said, don't do that. Could you do that? No, <laughs> no, no, no. A mechanic warned me. He said, you don't know what you're talking about. Please Obviously, do I don't know what kids. I'm talking about. <laughs> don't go and stick yeah, don't things do on your that. tongue. No, but regardless, it, it, what's interesting is that is a professional charger. So I did it, what he said, and that battery charged up my boat for the rest of the I mean, I didn't have to do it the rest of the summer. Hmm. Now, here's what I immediately got brought to my attention. My spiritual life is very much like that. In the first half of the program, and if you didn't get that, go to relate365.com and, and get it. But in the first half, we talked about you and I first have to admit that our thinking isn't always what it should be. Right. For whatever reason, whatever, whatever reason. Right. There, right. There's many. Right. But it's not always what it should be. My question then is, how can I get it? to be what it should be? That's my big question. And this trickle charge idea came to my head immediately. So often in life, I had been dependent upon going somewhere and getting all charged up real fast, mm-hmm. like a, a meeting where a great speaker spoke or a, a, a place like summer camp where you, where you can just fly high for a week or a weekend and really get spiritually fed. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that, right? except for the fact that if that's the only charge you're getting, right, it's not effective. It's a quick, heavy charge, right. And by the middle of the next week, you're empty, right. Some people could do that on Sundays. You go and you get a sermon from somebody on Sunday, and you go, "Yeah, I'm fired up. I'm fired up." By Monday at lunch, you're done with it, right. And basically, you did the quick charge thing, right. And I would, I would bet to say that a lot of people listening, you know, can relate to that. And they want to keep doing that. They keep going to places where they get the quick charge, right. And they'd rather carry jumper cables then understand the trickle charge process right and so what i did is i started saying okay god i here's the trickle charge process now for me spiritually what i need to do is not depend on the big charges even though i can go to those meetings and enjoy them and what i need to do is have god's word continually trickle into my life continue you know continually do that so that when there's a call for a big charge out of my life it's available Mm-hmm. And it doesn't destroy me at that point. Right. And so I, I made a, a commitment then that I was going to be somebody who every day would spend time letting God's word trickle into my head. And, and I started doing it. I, I had to have a method. So what I did is I, as I read the Bible through, and I hope our listeners will read the Bible through. You, if you read the Bible aloud at like a fifth grade, sixth grade level or something, I think it would only take you less than 15 minutes a day every day to read the whole Bible through cover to cover. So it's not a huge assignment. Right, right. And as I read the Bible through, 
and uh, I would I would any verses that kind of struck me because I mm-hmm. asked questions, I I would write down and then I put it on these little business cards. Okay. And I would use those cards and just go through them. And every day I would read those verses. And uh, let me give you some of the early ones that, okay. that I that I put down there. Um, and I'll read them to you. Psalm one twelve seven. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. I read that verse every day for um, weeks and actually years. I hate bad news. Mm-hmm. I hate bad news. I used to hate it when my home phone rang mm. because normally it was trouble, especially middle of the night, you right. know, being somebody who worked at camp and there's all kinds of stuff going on at camp and your phone rings in the middle of the night. It used to just put me into a sweat because I knew something bad was going on mm-hmm. and that I had to deal with it. What I saw in this verse was, he will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast trusting the Lord, that God has a plan. And what I need to do is stop worrying and fearing all the time that something bad's going to happen, because it is. Mm-hmm. I need to trust God and what he does with it. Right. And so I read that verse every day, and it was like my attitude got adjusted. I, I no longer walked around fearful of the phone ringing, mm-hmm. just because I read that every day. Right. There's another verse. I put these two verses on the same card. Uh, Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast, meaning propped up, because he trusts in you. Mm-hmm. See, what I had to do is get to the point where I said, you know, God, when I'm not at perfect peace, I'm not trusting you. Mm. And I would start every day with these two verses. Right. Now, honestly, Jason, what that did is it started to make me into a different person. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that I had huge devotional you know, 40 hours, fasting, prayer, all that kind of stuff. Right. It was that I let this trickle in every day. And then the verses, not only these two, but it started to, to, to be four verses, eight verses, 12 verses every day. And I would just think about them for a minute. It was amazing to me how my mind started to shift mm-hmm. because it was every day this trickle charge came in and whatever was coming at me that day, mm-hmm. I was prepared for. Yeah. Because of, of the, the charge that I already had. Um, you want to hear another one? Yeah. Yeah, let's hear another one. All right, First Peter 5, 6 to 9. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that, you, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings have been experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. First Peter 5, 6 to 9. I read that every day because a couple of things I wanted to remember. First and foremost, Satan's trying to get me today. Mm-hmm. I mean, when was the last time, I think, uh, listener that's, that's listening, that you started your day and you just acknowledged the fact that today Satan will do his best to destroy you and those you love? You acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. If you do that, you're starting to look for it. And what does it say there? Humble yourself. Why? Well, because then the hand of God will defend you. And, and, Really, the hand of God is what we want defending us. Humble yourself and cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. Yeah. Immediately in the morning. So, so if you think of it, I started with those other two verses about you know, my own personal fears, and then I go to cast your care upon him. Mm-hmm. All right, I am adjusting rather well now for the day. Right. I mean, and it, and it goes on. Um, in 1 Samuel 17, 47 was the next verse I read, and it was this. At all this assembly may know the Lord saves, not with a sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. I wanted to be reminded every day that God is the one yeah. who makes us successful. 
I mean, can you imagine every day being reminded of that? Mm. That God is the one that makes you successful. Right. Not any man, not any amount of money, not any health, not any lack of health. The next verse, Psalm 67, 1 and 2. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your way may be known to the earth. Hmm. Your saving power among all the nations. Why do I want God to bless my day so that people know him? Right. Now again, adjust myself, beginning of the morning with this verse. You know, God, I want people to know you. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Every morning I want to remind myself. There are some days where I feel like I've just gone through done my job, done everything the way I'm supposed to, and I feel like I didn't accomplish anything. Uh-huh. Nothing done for God is in vain. I just don't know how it's going to be used. Right. Now, I am not asking our listeners or even you, Jason, to take these verses and to use them. Mm-hmm. I'm asking that we would all um, admit that we don't think right. Right. First of all. And secondly, to start doing this trickle charge process so that we have a way to ponder the things at the beginning of the day that actually will give us what we need to to get through the day. Right. In a way where we, and some people do this through memorizing and do it, I mean, you could do that. Right, absolutely. The reason I didn't do, go, the reason I didn't mention memory right away is I really struggle with that. Mm-hmm. I don't struggle with being in God's word and, and dwelling in God's word. I struggle, and, and some of it is memorizing everything in King James when I was a kid. Sure. And now I mix all the words up when I because yep. I've had about three or four versions at this right. point. Yeah. So some of it's that, and that that's a lame excuse I understand. But it, 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 for those that like to memorize and have it just right, it's a weird excuse. Well, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. No. But the bottom <laughs> bottom line is it it still doesn't stop me from meditating. This right. is what the trickle charge is. Right. I'm meditating on God's word. I could tell you what each of these verses say, maybe not word for word, but I can tell you what they say. Right. And I can, during the day, these are brought back to my memory so often. And that's what I would love everybody to be able to do. Right, Dave. And it even goes back to what Romans 12 says, you know, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by by testing and and by discerning what the will of God is, uh, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. You know, and, and it's all about that transformation and the renewal of our mind. Because we looked at the beginning of the show where, you know, when we're not intentional about it, the natural tendencies of our mind and our heart are evil, yep. you know, without God. And so that's why we need to be intentional about transforming that and conforming to, to the, the thoughts of God. And the only way that happens um, isn't just doing it in big chunks at a time. You know, I mean, we had a winter jam almost a month ago, and that's, that's what I was telling the young people is like, if, if you want this to happen, you can't just go to youth group and come to winter jam once a year. Right. It has to be a daily thing. And it, like, like even the thing I love about what you've been sharing, Dave, is it doesn't take much. Yep. You know, as long as and you're anybody meditating, can do it. and anybody can do it, even if, like you said, you started, with, you know, a couple of verses. If we were all to start with a couple of verses, imagine how that could transform your life. Absolutely. You know, because you're inviting God into your life to say, you know, mold me and shape me, mold my mind, shape my mind, so that I can honor you. And and I think that's the the key. Whereas I think a lot of times we have this misnomer where if we read the Bible, we have to take in large amounts at a time in order to to, to get something out of it. And, and we have to memorize a lot, and and maybe you just need to dwell a lot. Right. But I, I, I love the example of the trickle charge. I think that that's very practical. And I think I, hopefully for, for you listening, it, it's been very encouraging to you and very practical for you because I think it's a great way to, to 
pun. I think kickstart. <laughs> I think it's you know. one of the most important principles you could ever learn, yeah. and I think that you can choose to do this. Right. Right. So um, if you're listening, I encourage you to do it. You know, don't wait, you know, find a verse or two now and then start meditating. But uh, if you want to check back on this episode and re-listen to it, I encourage you to do so. Even check out some of the verses that Dave shared and maybe use those or find your own. And uh, we thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time here on Younger and Older.